Now broadcasting from the Next Gen Conservative Studio in sunny South Florida. Bringing you the latest in politics, current events, and pop culture. This is the Whitfield Report with Sam Whitfield. All righty, everyone, and welcome to the Monday edition of the Whitfield Report. And I am joined here by a uh, a bit of a legend in the uh, author slash podcasting space, uh, Mr. Jeff Clark, who is the host of uh, the Course of Action podcast, and he's also a uh, an author. Uh, I did not realize until a couple minutes ago that you had already published a book, um, but that's very yep. interesting. So, uh, folks, I really don't do much uh, background research on my guests before I have them because I uh, I like to allow them to, uh, you know, talk about themselves. So uh, first off, Jeff, welcome to the program, and uh, it's an honor to have Thank you. you. And well, appreciate uh, it. Appreciate the awesome intro, man. I'm, I don't know if I'm a legend, but I, I certainly appreciate it. <laughs> well, let me put it this way: uh, course of action. I was thinking about this today. There are three podcasts that I really never make sure I miss. Uh, one of them is the Fake Untitled podcast, which is uh, hosted by a friend of the show, Craig. Uh, the next is the All In podcast, which is uh, hosted by David Sachs and a couple of the venture uh, capitalist uh, podcasters out there. And then your podcast, which I just started listening to at the end of 2023, has kind of become uh, a go-to for discovering new authors. So, uh, well, you know, thank you. I uh, I'm pretty impressed. Um, Jeff, uh, why don't you just begin to, by telling us a little bit about your background, uh, just in general? How did you, uh, you know, get started in podcasting and just your background in general and writing? Well, I did. Uh, I did twelve years on active duty in the Air Force. Uh, I worked in logistics uh, in the medical field, um, and then I I medically retired in twenty seventeen. Um, I had a broken back and broken shoulders. So, um, Ooh. they, they, they medically retired me and, uh, had me go my own way. And then, um, I came back to government service about seven months later and I worked as a, um, search and recovery specialist and an operations officer on the civilian side. And um, I've been doing that ever since. I recently just switched the job over to data analytics, uh, something a little less physical um, that I really enjoy. And as far as the podcast goes, and I really appreciate you being a uh, avid listener, man, because um, as you know, uh, it's, it's difficult in the podcast space sometimes to try to keep uh, things going. But um, yeah, I started that. It was kind of an idea back in, during COVID. I really wanted to do something that was creative, um, but also allowed me to kind of reach out and talk to people and still form some relationships um, and learn because it was going to be, we didn't know how long it was going to go on for, but I thought if I started, right. it'd be a good way of still talking to people and expanding 
you know, how you advertise. And I had, I had my book that was going to be coming out and uh, I really just jumped into it. Now I'll say this, I bought the equipment to do the podcast and then I waited probably eight or nine months before I actually kicked it off because I just kind of had the hesitancy of what if I failed, if it sucks, you know, and uh, I was a little afraid of that. And then I finally just dove in because I had a whole bunch of people who were like, dude, that'd be awesome. You know, book me as one of your guests. And I had, I had 10 guests like immediately. So I just dove in and did it. I had no idea what I was doing. I learned a ton of lessons along the way. And what you see today is um, a lot of lessons learned, a lot of, help from other people um getting some tips and tricks here and there and just just constantly learning i think we're on like we're in the 80s on episodes i think um like 83 84 by the time people hear this i think and um you know it's just been a it's been a fun ride i've enjoyed it a lot yeah i've been uh podcasting really since like i was a teenager and i started way back in 2000 and a really before people even knew what podcasting was and uh even now i'm still learning um you know about podcasting even though i've been in it just because i find that the format uh you know kind of keeps evolving when i started podcasting it was more like of a it was basically internet talk radio uh basically mm-hmm. and that's how a lot of people myself included, were doing the show. And then Rogan kind of uh, flipped the script by doing just long-form interviews and conversations. And so um, when I moved to Florida in 2014, I kind of retired my old brand and started doing more long-form type podcasts. And yeah, I mean, it's ever-changing. And I mean, I just turned 29 but I mean, now there are even kids like younger than me who are just doing podcasts from their phone now. And it's, it's kind of crazy. So, um, yeah, you know, and like you said, you just kind of have to jump into it and, uh, you know, just from your guest list, I mean, I, I'm impressed with some of the guests you've had on. I mean, I, I just, I, I tweeted this at you the other day. Uh, I just listened to your podcast with uh, Brian Andrews and Jeff Wilson, who... Yeah, uh, good guys. You know, I just started reading the the Tier 1 series last year, and uh, people are like, wait, you just you just now started reading the, the Tier 1 series? And I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, I've seen it around, but there have been a bunch of authors that, you know, because I was in college for so many years, I had to kind of way and they were one of them but uh i'm glad i got into them and uh you've also had brad thoron which uh you know i can't imagine that's a you know that's no small feat to get someone someone like brad on your podcast so um well you know yeah. i'll give brad some credit like he was certainly open to doing it um <clears throat> i had made good friends with his publicist so i know him I knew him well enough to to ask, and I just said, you know, what are the chances that Brad would do it? You know, because I don't see him doing a lot of podcasts. I don't think he, he really right. doesn't need to. Um, but um, I said, what would be the odds of of getting him and and Kyle Mills on? And he was like, email me about a month before their book releases, um, and, and we'll set it up. I was like, cool. So I did, and Brad had no problem with it. It was a quick forty five minutes, and afterwards he was like. 
I can't believe it went by that fast. You are an excellent host. So I was like, it was, it was a great, it was awesome. And Brad's one of my favorite authors. So it was kind of like one of those, um, if I, if I got him to be on the show and then I was forced to shut the podcast down the very next day, um, I'd be okay with that. Yeah, Brad was Brad was my favorite for a long time. However, I, I have to say that uh, once Jack Carr kind of came on the scene, he uh, he replaced both Vince and uh, Brad as like my all time favorite. I, I still remember, uh, you know, back back when uh, Ryan Stack before he was an author, he did the the uh, the Vince Flynn. Uh, you know, Mitch Rap fan website, and I remember he posted about uh, you know, this this new author Jack Carr who was coming on the scene, and uh, you know, no one knew about the Terminalist, and then I remember I I got the Terminalist, I think the week it came out, and it blew me away. I I think I finished that book yeah. in like two or three weeks. It, it was amazing, but uh. Minus one or two things that I've, you know, disagreed with Brad on. I've always respected him um, as an author, and uh, it's awesome that you were able to have him on. So, yeah, he was he was um, incredible. Kyle Mills was incredible. Uh, Don Bentley, I love you know Brian Anders and Jeff Wilson. I've been on several times. I'm going to have them on again this spring uh, with yeah. their new book, and we're going to talk a little bit of how they're jumping into the Tom Clancy series. Uh, so I'm yeah, looking forward yeah. to that. Those guys are great dudes. So um, just podcaster top to podcaster, um, what do you think your biggest challenge has been in regards to doing your show? Um, so far. My biggest challenge, um, I think, is probably time um, because you got to edit um, and get the episode ready. It's got to be kind of that – it's got to live up to my own standards of quality. So, um, yeah. when I, when I flip an episode and I'm done, I save it and I get it. And then I build the actual template for, um, what it's going to look like. And I save it in a file and then I come back to it later. And then that's when I add the intro and I edit and then I double check the audio and all that. I think that's probably the biggest one because I got to have time to do that. So you dedicate at least an hour to recording and then at least another hour to two hours to edit, put it together, export it, and then upload to YouTube, Spotify, and all that. Um, so it's time, really. It's, it's, it's a very yeah. time-consuming endeavor. It's always I've noticed too the the behind the scenes uh, stuff that people don't really take into account. Um, yeah, you know, same Time thing is with the biggest challenge. Yeah, same thing with writing. Uh, you know, people always see the end product. Uh, you know, or I guess in this case, listen and or watch the end product, but they don't take into consideration all the time that you have to spend with booking, you know, finding guests mm -hmm. in the first place or, uh, you know, editing and doing post production, which, you know, now is a little bit easier with certain tools out there, yeah. but, um, you know, it, it still, it does take some time if you're, uh, pre-recording and even on, if you live stream, you know, afterwards, you've, you got to make sure that, you know, the stream, 
completed and uploaded properly and all that jazz. So, yeah. um, out of all the guests you've had, which one uh, were you most, I guess, surprised you were able to get? Or uh, I guess I don't want to ask you too much of a gotcha question, but which one has been your favorite so far? Oh, man. Um, I I wasn't really that surprised to get any of them because a lot of the people that I've asked have been super open to do it. So there wasn't really any pushback, any. Um, I've only had one guest and I actually never had her on, um, but I only had one person who asked me um, in kind of the early stages of the show, like, how many people follow you? How many listeners do you have? Blah, blah, blah. I've only had one person ever ask me that. And um, when I told her, and I just told her the honest truth, I said, I'm growing. It's nothing impressive right now. And she said, I'm going to have to pass. It's not the right, um, it's not the right demographic for me, which I thought was, was baloney, but, um, that's another, that's another yeah. argument, but, um, it was her way of saying, uh, you're not big enough for me. And I'm fine with that. That's, you know, I, I didn't want her on, uh, after that, as far as I was concerned. So, um, I've had, none yeah, of them, I've. Oh, no. Go ahead. Well, I, I've had um, – I haven't really had a surprise uh, guest as far as those who wanted to do it because everybody I pretty much asked um, said yes and was was in an agreement to do it. They were excited about it. Yeah. I mean I've only had one – I've only had like I think two guests who kind of, you know, said the same thing. Um you know, you're, you're not big enough or, uh, you know, this isn't, this isn't the right podcast where I was kind of like, are, are you sure? But, uh, you know, at least you make the offer, um, you know, to have them all, yeah. you know, and, and that does happen. Uh, and then, you know, on the flip side, I've had, you know, guests who I, I was a bit surprised that they would come on because I didn't think they would be big enough to, you know, want to come on the podcast, uh, Steve Stratton being one of them, um, you know, Steve as, you know, has a, a fairly big reputation in our field of, uh, writers. And so when, uh, someone suggested that he come on to the podcast and I was like, really, you think Steve would come on to my podcast? And they said, yeah, and invite him on. And, um, he was, you know, he's been great. He, uh, he's very down to earth and we did a podcast last week and I was surprised at, you know, just how open he was to talking about different things and it ended up, it yeah, ended Steve's up a good dude. a great episode. So yeah, I love Steve. Um, yeah. Um, so then as far as uh writing goes, I guess how did you uh you know go down the path of becoming an author and uh whatnot? Um so I I really told myself that one day I was gonna write a book and I didn't really know what of and then I had a lot of success um uh in the military and post in my civilian career for the military I I had a lot of success in doing a lot of things and I kind of just said, you know what? I think I'm going to finally take that jump. And I was finished with my master's degree. I wasn't going to school or anything like that at the time. So I thought, 
you know, now would be a great time to jump in, into a project like that. That could potentially take several years. So I really just kind of jumped in and I started writing and I had a leadership book and then I had a, a fiction book uh, that I was working on kind of at the same time. And I was just kind of doing what I could, um, what kind of motivated me and what kind of influenced me. And I would bounce back and forth to two projects. And, and then I met, I met some publishers, I met some uh, agents and some other people and I started getting feedback from them. And then um, that's when I pursued getting one of those published and getting some interest drummed up in them. And that's when I ran across um, my publisher, Tactical 16, which focuses on publishing military books. And um, I talked to them, I, I pitched them the idea um, and they, they loved it and it wasn't done. Like I only had probably a third of it finished my leadership book. And uh, he was like, when you're done with it, send it to me. I want to read it. We're going to read it over. And then, um, but we're really, really interested in it. So um, I finished it up like six months later and sent it to him and they sent me a contract. And then from there I said, okay, if I do a fiction book, I do something that's necessary like a leadership book, um, then I'm going to do something fun, which is, which is fiction, which is what I really wanted to do. So I've been pursuing fiction ever since and uh, gone to some conferences, learned a lot. And I think that's probably where, uh, well, I know I'm going that way direction next. It's just a matter of time. I think before um, you see something else with my name on it. Yeah. So you have, uh, you have here these Trues, which is your nonfiction book. Um, yep. The you old guy right here. Uh, oh, very nice. Well, it's my um, display only because it's got an error on it, but I'll take the sticky note off and then there it is. Very, very nice. Um, and yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm looking at your website. You've, you know, we just mentioned Steve. He, uh, he left a very nice uh, review of your, uh, book. So what made you decide to, I guess, want to, uh, write a, a leadership, uh, book? Well, in 2019, I was the air force civilian supervisor of the year. And that was a really, really big award. And it kind of turned a light bulb on in my brain and said, um, you know, when I looked over that package and, and looked at the awesome things that people wrote about me, I just said, I really owe it to those people who helped you know, push me to this level um, that I do something to thank them. And I didn't want to do something useless or just walk around and hand out thank you cards or anything like that. Um, I really wanted to kind of do something kind of in their honor. And I wanted to do like a lessons learned. Um, and I was real passionate about leadership then. And I still am. Um, but I really felt like that was a good way of getting that out and, and, and kind of saying some of my lessons learned and from a, well, a lot of times you see those kind of books from people that are CEOs, former yeah. presidents, military generals, and all that stuff. They all have a status that to the normal everyday human being is not obtainable or it's not something that they're aspiring to be, you know, so there's a little bit of a disconnect, you know. Um, and I thought, well, you know what? I'm a little bit more of a, a common man. Um, I have not been in some fancy um, military position. I'm not a CEO or anything like that. So um, why don't I put out something that is a little bit more down to earth, 
truthful and honest and people can take it or leave it. So that's really what I did. I just took that honest and truthful approach to leadership. Um, and in the book, I expose my flaws. I say what I did and didn't, or I did well and I didn't do well. Um, and I just kind of lay it all out there and it's all based around an algorithm, which I call the leadership algorithm. And that's effort plus process equals progress. And if you follow that, um, that's kind of the gym that you need to, you know, to be a successful leader and success depends upon what you're looking to get out of it. But uh, that's it kind of in a nutshell. It's something I'm super proud of. Uh, I guess still get asked about it to this day. Um, so I definitely think it's had an impact on people's lives, which is the whole point in the first place. That's awesome. I haven't read it yet, but uh, I might have to pick up a, a copy my myself. Uh, one thing I well, have... Dude, send, me your, uh, send me your address um, offline in the email and I'll send you a signed copy. Oh, I, I, I'd be honored. Thank you. Uh, one thing I notice off the top of my head uh it doesn't seem like it's very uh thick it seems like it's relatively uh thin and i actually kind of take that as a as a good thing because uh as someone who uh i didn't major in in business but i took a lot of business uh courses in college and there were a few leadership books uh that were very, uh, they were good, but they were thick and they kind of drawled on. And um, mm -hmm. you don't very, you don't seem very egotistical at all. Uh, I've noticed that a lot of people in the business and leadership world uh, sometimes they do seem a bit egotistical, and um, you know their books are thicker because of it. I guess. Yeah. And, I like to uh, ramble on. I wanted to be yeah. straight to the point. Um, no frills. It's nothing super fancy. It's just a little over 200 pages. Um, it was longer um, and I cut some stuff out, but I kind of felt like was, didn't really get to the point as well as I liked it to. Um, and there's a lot of my backstory in there, kind of how I grew up and things like that, that um kind of almost made it more of a leadership memoir. So I cut a little bit of that out too, because people don't want to hear about my boring life necessarily. Um, and I wanted to give people something that they could just, they could just open up and flip to a page or to a certain chapter and they could just learn about a certain subject and, and yeah. then they can move on. So I wanted it to be concise and, and short and sweet and to the point and packed full of good knowledge and, and things to take away. So yeah, it's not super thick, but, um, I, again, I'm not a I'm not a long-winded guy when it comes to talking about myself. I, I you definitely seem uh, you know interesting to to me though. So I, I do think you know a memoir in, well, in the you. future might be uh, worthwhile. So <laughs> never know. Um, yep. Um, now, as far as your fiction writing goes. Uh, I'm seeing a lot of uh, different series. So have you released uh, anything yet or are, is your fiction mainly a work in progress uh, right now? Yeah, fiction is a work in progress. Um, we got um, the first book, um, Acts of Lies, um, is with, with an editor and we're working on getting that um, kind of finalized and then that will go out on submission. I've gotten a lot of good feedback from it. So I'm really hopeful that, um, 
it will attract some attention um, uh, with publishers and with some agents. So I'm super pumped about that one. And then, of course, I got uh, the second book in that series, The Enemies Within, is um, in progress. I'm probably about 40% done with that. And then when I have some off time, I work on other projects um, like Hunted and Between the Lines of War and a, and a novella series I got uh, called Conditions. So I'm kind of working on it's it's in a way I want to always be writing something. So when you send a book off yeah. to the editor, you don't want to you don't want to touch it. You want to just let them have it. Um, so in an effort to put that aside, I, I, I moved on to some other things. And then you get a bright idea and say, hey, this would be a cool idea. It doesn't fit my current project, so let me let me start something new over here and just put it on the back burner. So all those projects I kind of have in the works. None of them are completed except for Acts of Lies. Um, and, you know, I just want to keep writing, keep working on stuff. And uh, it might be years before you see anything from me. Um, but, you know, what? You'll have, you'll have stuff in the queue for when you're ready to go. Yeah, that's, uh, that's always something good to have. Uh, you know, it's always good to have multiple uh coals in the fire um mm-hmm. so i don't want to assume anything but it sounds like you're going with the traditional publishing uh method um what made you decide to go down that route and uh have you ever considered self publishing some of your um work i haven't really considered self-publishing yet just because i really want to give um the traditional publishing a shot and i want to see um if i can get a uh, an agent or a big publisher to sign on um and i think i think um for me at least for me um i don't want to necessarily like sell myself short and i'm not saying that people who self-published have done that i'm not saying that at all um but I don't want to sit around and self-publish and push push my book and push my projects and and, and then wonder what if. I would rather sure. submit to a big publisher, submit to agents and have them tell me no. And then all the same time, I'm learning more about publishing. And then I decide to self-publish and, and go that route. I'd rather go about it that way. There's some people who don't want to do that. They want to go. They want to go straight to self-publishing. They want to control everything. They want to advertise. They want to do all the work, and they want it to be theirs. And that's totally cool. I think that's awesome. There's plenty of self-publishers um, or self-published authors that are incredibly successful, and I tip my hat to them. Um, but I do, I do want to see if I can't get attention, and I think I will. Um, yeah. Based on some of the feedback I've gotten and some of the people that are supportive of it. Um, I'm going to give that a shot first and uh, um, and then we'll see what happens. That is uh, very understandable and very uh, admirable as well. I, I just, I ask because I, uh, you know, most of the other guests I've had have been in publishing, uh, both Steve and uh, Eric Bishop, uh, both friends of the show. Uh, when I, first had Eric on the show when he re- first released uh, The Body Man back in 2021, he, um, you know, he went through a, a traditional publisher and then um, they went out of business. So he uh, yeah. he started his own imprint. Um, and, um, you know, so most of the people I've talked to have actually gone 
the self-publishing route. So it's always interesting to talk to someone like you who has gone the traditional route. And, uh, you know, I'm just always curious to find what people's motives are for uh, doing that. Yeah, well, I guess so. we'll see what happens, man. But yeah, I think the big motivation is, um, you know, you want to you want to share your story. That's my big thing. You know, um, yeah. I don't care too much about the money. Um, cause I have a good job and good benefits and all that stuff. Now my wife works and she makes plenty of money too. So that's not a driving factor, but certainly sharing my story with a mass audience, um, is something that I desire. And I think the way to do that is with a bigger, is a, with a bigger publisher, obviously. Um, sure. so we'll see how it goes. You might have to be one of those things that I eventually have to self publish. And, um, if I do, I'll, I'll come up with a big marketing plan and I'll push it as hard as I can. And, Use word yeah. of mouth and all that fun stuff. Um, my grand, my grandfather uh, was a published author. He wrote two uh, business leadership books back in the eighties, and uh, he, re- he cool. retired. He uh, he has since passed, but like, oh, uh, sorry. Two years ago, I was talking to him about uh, some of my writing projects, and he actually encouraged me to self-publish. He was in his eighties, but he, uh, you know, he kept up on, uh, you know, current technology and he was very sharp until the very end. And he was like, you know, I know people said that this, uh, Kindle self-publishing thing, uh, was a drag, but I, I think it's actually worth uh, looking into. So, uh, you know, that's what I did kind of, uh, you know, secretly, and I released my first novella uh, back in July, and it's been a not a huge success, but a moderate success. I'm kind of a bit surprised um, at how many. Well, you've went. done more than what other people have done. A lot of people would quit, yeah, and they wouldn't do it. So, I mean, you know, you're successful in the fact that you've you've actually published something and. Like I said, a lot of people will doubt themselves and they'll they'll quit or and they'll just put it on the back burner and say, I won't do it, I'm afraid. So well, and, kudos to you for doing it, man. Well, and I mean, I would say the same thing to you for podcasting. Uh, you know, there are a lot of people who they start a podcast and they think they're going to be Joe Rogan or Adam Carolla or, you know, name your big name. They They think that they're going to be that guy overnight. Right. And good luck. (laughs) Yeah. You, you can't, even if you do go with like, even if you have the most fancy uh, setup, uh, even if you go through, you know, it's funny because there are also podcasting companies out there too, that you can uh, sign with. And, you know, even if you sign, even if you sign with one of those, uh, it, it doesn't really matter if you don't, even if you have a good show, there's a grind to it. You just have to keep putting out episodes. Um, yeah. And, uh, that's all there is to it. Um, at the end of the day, you just got to keep, uh, grinding. Um, yeah, I agree. So another thing that I kind of find interesting is, uh, I was listening to your show with Eric Bishop and one of the things that he brought up was um, the fact that most authors will not read their book after they publish it. 
or a, mm-hmm. or after they finish it. And I'm kind. I don't know how you are, but with with the exception of editing, um, I'm kind of the same way with with podcasts. After I finish editing, um, you know, an episode or you know, making clips, I'll post it and then. If I listen to the episode, it won't be for like another six months or, uh, you know, even a couple of years down the line. And uh, same thing with with my book. I uh, I've read it for little references for continuity for my uh, sequel. But uh, other than that, I haven't uh, listened or read any of my previous projects. So I find that to be interesting. Yeah, I um. I do listen to the podcast because, um, and I hate for it to sound conceited or anything, but um, I listen to it just because I bring guests on to help promote them. And if I listen to it and I get an extra view, then it helps spread, um, right. you know, spread it out there. So I definitely put it on, I put it on my phone, on Spotify and Apple, and then I put it on my computer on YouTube and, yeah. you know, I'll, I'll listen to it or I'll just let it stream while, while I'm working on something. But the book, um, I haven't really gone back and read the book. There's something about reading my own work and hearing it in my, like my own voice. that just kind of, I don't know. Um, I have used it as reference and I've been on podcasts before where I, um, I actually had to break it out and kind of flip through a page and be like, yeah, okay. I do remember saying that. Um, yeah. But no, um, I'd like to read for pleasure, and I just don't know if I'd like reading my own work like that necessarily. So that's kind of like, that's kind of how I feel with with podcasting for the most part. There will be an episode or two where I will listen to, uh, you know, an episode with with Steve or you know someone like you or even Eric, where I'll I'll listen to the episode just because I, I love the guests so much. But generally, yeah. if it's if it's just me and my uh, co-host, like covering the political news of the week, uh, you know, I hear my own voice regularly enough, uh, just in my own head. I, I don't, you know, it, it's kind of like watching a movie you've seen over and over again. You can almost kind of predict what you know the next scene yeah. is going to be. So. Um, yeah, I guess I I'm kind of the same way, but, uh, <laughs> so, um, I, I guess, I mean, I don't know where we want to take this, but I guess what else is on the horizon, uh, for you as far as projects go, anything that you're looking to accomplish in 2024, um, and beyond, um, well, I really hope to find a home for um, Acts of Lies, um, and hopefully that'll be um, a, a multiple book um, deal where I can tell, I can tell, I have three books in the series that I have planned out with Abigail Stevens, my protagonist. And if I can land a home for, for that, to tell that story in 2024, that would be a, a big deal. Whether it'll publish in 2024, I don't know, but um if I could at least land an agent or land a book deal in 2024, that would be ideal. Um, and then all that time continuing to work on the podcast um, and get some of those other projects done. You know, I'm really, um, I'm really excited about um, my hunted book. Um, and that's just a working title, but 
Um, it's a very primitive book. It's about two guys that go out in the Montana wilderness to do some elk hunting like they do every year. And they kind of run across um, some dangerous stuff, some trafficking rings, um, some connections to uh, politicians and connections to their own past. They don't realize um, that's a very primitive book. I'm trying to use um, like no firearms in it um, and focusing more on the hand to hand combat and survival of things, which I think is really, really cool, really interesting to me. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Between the Lines of War, which is a really cool book that I guess I kind of just started recently. It's more of a first person um, type of book. And this is going to be a very uh, more of a traditional thriller when it comes to um, kind of what how, how I'm approaching it. And I mean, instead of doing third person, I'm doing first person. It's going to be from the view of. Uh, a journalist who has kind of coined this term clandestine journalism and he is investigating you know further than most you know most journalists want to investigate and do their research and they come up with a really good headline where he wants to come up and he wants to do research and investigations and come up with the stories that are not being told the stories are trying to be hidden away in the closets and the skeletons that need to stay there uh, and he wants to reveal kind of the truth. And um, I think that's really cool because there's not a lot of organizations and people out there right now that are trying to find the real truth. They're just taking the uh, the opinions of the media and the opinions and sayings of our politicians and they're saying, okay, it must be the truth. And, and right. we know that it's not. So um, that's something I really want to explore and kind of expose that and the dangers kind of behind it and, and some of the corruption that has that's going on in, in Washington. So. Um, mm -hmm. those are, those are kind of some of the things I want to work on in 2024 and complete some of those projects and then start finding home for them. Who, who are your inspirations for, uh, you know, write, writing, uh, favorite authors, anything like, like that? Um, well, I, um, I love Tom Clancy. I think everybody, everybody yeah. does. He's kind of our godfather. Um, I love Clancy. I love Flynn. Um, I love Brad Thor. He he's one of the guys who really kind of got me back into reading for pleasure. Was when I picked up uh, Brad Thor's um, Full Black and um, Mike Madden. Um, if I had to pick an author that is my absolute favorite, I would say Mike Madden because I read his first book, Drone, with Troy Pierce. Um, back when I was in the military and it really got me back into reading for pleasure again. And, um, that's when I, when I got back into Clancy, got back into Thor and all of them, uh, again, uh, love Jack Carr. Andrews and Wilson are huge. Um, I've been on a Mark Greeny kick lately just cause I think, um, he's one of those very talented guys that are going to be when he retires, I think he's going to be considered, um, a generational talent and he's going to be considered like the Clancy of like our lifetime because I think the way he crafts a book and the intelligence that he has that goes into it um, I think it's just very you know Mark Greeny is very very gifted and uh, yeah so but there's a tons of tons of people I like Ama Adair Steve Stratton Eric Bishop um, there's a, there's a guy by the name of Richard Maverick who has some really cool ideas. I'm trying to get him to publish more, um, cause yeah. he's got some really cool stuff. Um, 
tons of people. Claire Eisenthal right now. Um, she's a sweetheart. I love Claire. And she has a book called The Rising Order, which is really incredible. And we've been yeah. doing some stuff lately, um, some IG she lives just, and all that. She actually just followed me on Twitter. And uh, I I haven't yet, but your uh, your podcast with her is actually in my up next queue. So I, I mm. find that kind of funny that the same day um, she follows me, your uh, podcast popped up uh, in Very my cool. up next queue. So um, You'll like it. You'll enjoy it. Yeah. I think one of the other things about your podcast that is so good, and maybe it's uh, – it's partial because of the format, I'll, I'll admit, but like I've listened to your episodes out of order. And even with a lot of interview podcasts, uh, you can't necessarily do that, uh, I've noticed. Uh, you kind of should listen chronologically, but like I've, I've jumped into, you know, just your podcast based on some of the guests that you've had on. And I think that really, um, it, that's really interesting how the way you ask, uh, you know, questions, you've made it pretty accessible for people to just, just jump in wherever. So, yeah, I tried really hard and thank you for the compliments. Um, I tried really hard to, um, not date, the show. Um, and I tried not, I tried not to, you know, say the date in it at all. I tried not to, um, make it sound too relevant to a time period that right. way you can, you could pick up any episode and you can turn it on and listen to it. And yeah, you might find out in there somewhere that I'm talking to a guest who has a book that's releasing soon. Yeah. And that's fine. But, um, the content and what we talk about, I wanted to come from a, from a place where I'm talking to a subject matter expert. They are an expert in something. Um, so let's pick their brain and let's let's kind of not justify, but let's reinforce why they wrote this book. And what did they do to find out about it? Like, you know, T.R. Hendricks. He's done a lot of survival stuff. Um, he has a big background in security. So when he wrote The Instructor, um, you know, he has a lot of background in that. So it's like, well, let's talk about all that. Let's talk about your military career and kind of what led you up to writing this book because yeah. I want to tell your story. And then for people that are listening, I want them to listen to that and go, okay, this guy did this, this, and this, and he has this background similar to mine. Well, maybe I can do it too. And then you've, you've, you've done something more than just entertain people. You've, you've changed their life. Yeah, I, I definitely find that uh, insightful. Uh, you know, knowing nothing about Andrews and Wilson, I I didn't know that they were both. Uh, I don't know if they were both on a submarine. But I think I think it, it is Jeff the uh, you know submarine engineer. I I can't remember. No, I, can't remember I want to say that was. I think it's Brian. Okay, I yeah I think I think it is Brian, but. Um, and yeah, Brian's I mean, I a think... submarine guy and Jeff's the surgeon. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think that I think just learning that is fascinating, and then it kind of makes sense because uh, you know you can tell. Oh, well, that makes sense. That you know, based on this character, one of them mm -hmm. you know, would be a surgeon. 
Um, yeah, they got the background for sure not. to do a lot yeah. of the stuff that they've done and write the books that they've written. So um, I've heard nothing but good stuff um, from some people who have had a first look at uh, their Tom Clancy book that's going to come out this spring. Um, and they've said nothing but rave things about it, where it might be one of the best post Clancy um, uh, books that they've written so far. So this will be, yeah. this will be a big deal. And it's like the 40th anniversary of the hunt for red October. I mean, it's huge. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, it's been a year or so since I've read the hunt for red October, but I just finished uh Patriot games and that book, uh, for being published back in the eighties holds up extremely well. Um, plus, yep. I mean, I know that some people give, uh, you know, the movies, uh, a hard time, but I definitely think that, that the Patriot games is one of the better Harrison Ford movies out there actually in my, yeah, uh, I liked him in it too. Um, I think movies deserve a certain amount of, uh, criticism because, you know, they do have to cut corners a little bit. And, you know, for as long sure. as Clancy, you know, writes a book, um, you can't fit that into an hour and a half movie. You just can't. Yeah. So um, that would be awful hard to do. But um, I thought they did. I thought I thought several of his movies did pretty good. They did a pretty good job. What, what do you think of, what did you think uh, as a Clancy fan of the, uh, of the Jack Ryan series on uh, Amazon? I enjoyed it. I thought it was, I thought it was good. You know, um, they obviously had to kind of update it to a little bit more modern. Um, yeah. but I thought John Krasinski did a really good job, um, playing Jack Ryan. Um, I thought, it was, I thought it was pretty good. I really did. I mean, I, there's some, there's some issues with it, but I mean, for being a mainstream show, I thought, I yeah. thought it was good and entertaining. Yeah, I was actually kind of surprised at uh I was kind of surprised at how good it was. Uh was it perfect? Uh no, but no, I no, wasn't perfect. I definitely think that, you know, if anything that proved that John Krasinski I think could be a serious actor. You know, he was famous for oh, yeah. doing the office for all those years and a lot of people were kind of like Come on, you're telling me that Jim from The Office is going to be playing yeah. Jack Ryan, but uh, no, he he pulled it off. I thought he did so. good. Um, yeah. Um, and then you mentioned that you're doing a a book about uh, political journalism, uh, and I am kind of curious. We don't have to go down this uh, rabbit hole if you don't want to. But uh, I'm kind of curious, uh, I guess, what are your, I guess, political beliefs or uh, something? If you don't want to answer, that's fine. But uh, I'm kind of curious um, what your what So kind of I would say for... I'm, a, I'm a big believer in, in freedom. Um, yeah. So I'm a believer in, in, in less government oversight in our lives. There's obviously some smart places where we need to have government intervene for our safety um, and for our prosperity. But I do believe that there's a point in time where the government gets too involved in our lives. And sure. um, I'm not 
I'm a I'm a registered Republican, but I I believe that my life does not have to be just you know voided down to a certain political party, and I don't have to believe every single last thing that the Republican Party believes in. I do not have to do that. It's it's yeah. there's no rule book or anything like that, and there's no code of rules that you sign when you come up and you register the vote. You just pick a party, and I think. The cool thing in that is you have the freedom to still believe in what you want to believe. You do not have to be brainwashed by your party into believing every single last thing. And again, this is my opinion. So people that are listening, this is my opinion. Um, You do not have to agree with me. That's perfectly fine. Um, But I believe that they shouldn't be involved in in as much of our business. And I think if they are going to be involved in our business that much, then I think we should have a say, a larger say, and how they spend our money um, on taxes, you know, like if you're going to tax us, I think we have a, we deserve a larger say. And we didn't send you to Washington to get rich. That goes for all of you. Every, every single one of you members of Congress, the president, vice president, don't care what party you are in. Um, we didn't send you to Congress and to Washington to get rich. We sent you there to legislate and to help, you know, help us be the freest country in the world for a reason and not to be greedy and all that stuff. So I believe in freedom. I believe in the freedom to choose and the freedom to live my life how I want to, as long as I'm not causing harm to other people. Uh, yeah. I think I should be allowed to do that. And um, when when too much government intersects with that ideal right there is when I have a problem. I, I pretty much have the same uh, values. To, I, I mean, I would consider myself a kind of like a right uh leaning libertarian but like i'm not i'm not far right either i don't really care what people do in their personal life so long as uh you know you're yeah, not me really, neither. like if you uh, want to do do whatever you want to inside your home as long as you're not like personally like trying to bother me and you're not trying to rub it in my face you're not trying to change my life because of what you believe in yeah you go do your own thing i don't care you're not going to hear a complaint from me yeah one thing that i am kind of curious about this is something i've kind of uh experienced is uh after after the pullout of afghanistan uh which in my opinion was uh more or less disastrous i don't know if biden is you know entirely to blame i think that there were logistics you know I, I think blame can kind of be uh, shared equally, maybe, among the administration. But one thing that uh, I, one thing after that that kind of uh, worries me is I'm hearing people talk, oh, well, we need to go into Ukraine or we need to, you know, go into Israel and, you know, back the Israelis in Palestine. I'm very pro military. And I'm very pro uh, veteran, and I do believe that we have a place um, to help the world when we can. Um, but um, after being in the Middle East for 20 years militarily and really having very little to show for it, um, I'm a little hesitant to say that we should maybe send. Uh, troops back over there or over to Ukraine. And it's wild because uh, some people who I respect have 
said, oh, well, you're just like an anti-war hippie or you're wishy-washy. And, and I'm like, well, I'm not, I'm not a veteran. I never served, but, uh, you know, I know veterans who have had their limbs blown off or, or who have post-traumatic stress disorder and who, have, and who have suffered. And it's really difficult for me to look at them and then look at what happened in the Middle East and say, uh, yeah, you getting your legs blown off was worth it because I'm not so sure in the end it was. And uh, I just, I have a difficult time with the idea that we, that we should go back to war. So I'm just kind of curious. Uh, I hate to ask, bit, but as a veteran, what is kind of your opinion on military action these days? Um, I think we have to stop being the world's police. Um, we have a lot of allies and I think that's great. I do. Um, and I want to protect those allies. Um, but I, I have an issue with us constantly getting involved in every single yeah. little thing. Um, because it almost comes across like we're bullies, you know, and, um, you know, because they're talking right now that there's a potential conflict in Yemen with the with the with the Houthis or whatever the Houths or whatever they call themselves that terrorist group. Um, yeah. And then China and Taiwan, you know, they could do something. So then, you know, so then we have Ukraine that we're helping be involved in, and then we have a potential conflict in Yemen, and then we have a potential conflict in Taiwan, and then of course the whole Israeli thing is going on. So, at what point in time do we say? We're stretched a little thin. We can't keep doing this. Um, one of our other big allies is going to have to step up and take over and and and, and be the lead on these things. Because yeah, um, I'm not anti-war by any means, um, and I think there are there are places where we need to go and we need to, you know, you know, kick ass and take some names. Um, but I also think that we don't necessarily need to be the world's police all the time. Yeah. And we need to we need to empower our other allies to get involved at our same level. If you look at the amount of money that we spend in NATO and the UN and all that, we spend all this money up here and everybody else is down here. I think it, a, a more of a fair share, more of that peanut butter kind of spread is like, OK, guys, if we're going to do this and we're going to be United Nations and we're going to be NATO, um, we all need to be on the same level. And maybe we need to start sharing this a little bit because we can't just keep getting involved in every single little thing because our one for one, our military can't sustain it. Um, and our military industrial sector um, can't keep up with the production of it. If we're in four different wars, I mean, right. Um, and that's a, that's a recipe for loss. And I don't, I don't want to lose any more of my brothers and sisters um, over something that is unnecessary. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, and thank you for uh, answering that. I know that that can be kind of a tough question, but uh, no, I mean, I just yeah. wanted to ask because, I mean, I'm a civilian. Like I said, I, you know, I have immense respect for the military, but I've never served. I'm not, I'm not anti-war, but, you know, these days, according to who you talk to, it, it kind of seems... Some people have suddenly labeled me as being anti-war, and I'm like, no, I'm not anti-war. I just don't want to see, you know, I want to see minimal uh, casualties uh, as much sure, as Sure, yeah, possible. I think everybody does. So, 
Um, yeah. Well, uh, anything else you want to promote? Or uh, I see you have a ton of links here um, on your page. It seems like you do some work with veterans uh, as well. So yeah, I'm always trying to promote veterans, uh, veteran-owned businesses. So I post a lot of that stuff on my uh, uh, social media. Um, I think the biggest thing is people can go to my website, jeffclarkofficial.com, and that's where all of the good stuff is. Um, my social media, my projects that I'm working on, podcast episodes. Um, and I think that's that's really kind of what, if I promote anything, I like to promote the website because that's kind of my catch-all for everything to go to find out more about me. It, yeah, it's a great website. Uh, well, thank you. So, so I definitely recommend that people uh, go there and uh, – you know, check out the podcast as well. It's uh, it's great, and I'll have the links uh, to all your stuff in the um, description. And I, I would love for you to come back, uh, you know, once your books are, uh, you know, close to coming out and uh, sure whatnot. So uh, yeah, I'd be happy to. Yep, and we might get you on the uh, live po podcast uh, here soon as well. So we're glad to have you on for that as well. Yeah, but, uh, yeah we'll do it. Anyway, folks, well, uh, I guess uh, that's all we have for today. I want to thank everyone for listening. And uh, thanks, Jeff, once again for coming on. And uh, we will talk at you down the road on Wednesday. And until then, uh, God bless. God save this great nation and God freedom legacy in that order. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Whitfield report on the NGC network. Please visit Sam's website at www.thesamwhitfield.com and support Sam on Patreon at patreon.com slash Whitfield report. Until next time, God bless. God save this great nation and God, freedom, legacy, in that order.